Welcome back to The Coop with Meyer Hatchery, where we talk all things poultry in hopes of inspiring crazy chicken keepers and educating future flock owners. I'm your host, Kendra, and today I'm flying solo in a mini-sode. This mini-sode is a little bit shorter than our traditional episodes as we cover relevant happenings in and around Meyer Hatchery. Sometimes we also interview industry leaders, and today we're excited to be joined by Amanda from Meyer Hatchery. You may remember Amanda from episode 9 when we discussed chicken tractors. Today, she has returned to discuss 4-H as she provides some insight to those looking to begin, as well as her best tips and tricks for showing. Without further ado, let's dive in to today's episode. Welcome back to the Coop, Amanda. Thanks for having me back, Kendra. I'm excited you're here because today we're talking about 4-H. So Amanda is my go-to when I have customers asking me questions about 4-H because as you all know, I have not participated in 4-H. However, I do truly believe in it. I think it's a great program for your community and your children. So can you just give everyone a brief overview of what 4-H is and how they can participate? Yeah, 4-H is a community of more than 100 public universities across the nation that provides experiences where kiddos can learn by doing. So kids can learn things such as leadership skills, public speaking skills, they're going to gain confidence, they're going to learn responsibility, and so much more. It's a great program to put your kids in. How do kids participate? Does it matter what animal they take? I'm assuming they only can participate at their local fair. Surprisingly, you know, we were were born and raised in Southern California and we didn't hear much about it. But now that we've moved to the country, I'm finding that city folks, city kids are participating in 4-H. You don't have to have livestock. You don't even have to have animals because projects can be things such as a Lego build or a small garden, photography, arts and crafts. But then the section that our family dove into was the animals and livestock. And so depending on where you're located and what types of projects you think your kids will be into, and I will tell you right now, they're going to change every year. The projects change, the interests change, and that's okay as long as they're learning. But if you're if you're interested in more information, I would highly recommend going to www.4h.org. You're going to find all your answers there. You can look for local clubs and um, highly recommend reaching out to your local 4-H extension office because they can definitely pair you up with a group that has similar interests to your family and kiddos. So I'll be sure to link that below in the show notes so you guys can easily access it. Can you give us a brief overview of the structure of 4-H? I'm assuming they have to find a local club. There's a leader associated with that club that they reach out to and make contact, and that's how you begin participating, correct? Yeah, I would compare it to something like um, Scouts. So you join a group, you pay your dues, very minimal um, costs up front. You go to meetings, depending on what group you're in. Some groups meet weekly, some meet once a month. You go and then the kids run the show, which is great. And this is where the life skills come into place that they're going to learn. Is somebody that leads the Pledge of Allegiance. There's somebody that takes notes. There's a secretary, there's a treasurer, there's a president. So everybody has a role and a responsibility and they're the they're the ones running the meetings. Gotcha. That's very cool. So how long have you been participating in 4-H? Uh, our family's been involved for about four years. We started off the first year we moved to Northeast Ohio. 
uh, with an exhibition duck project. And my daughter was hooked from that first year and it has snowballed from there. So what classes do you typically participate in? Well, this year, um, each year we we add on. Most kids will add on projects each year because it's just so much fun and they get so much out of it. Um, we've done market duck, market goose. This will be our first year with market rabbits. For exhibition, we've done duck. We've done bantam chickens, exhibition turkey, and dairy goats. Can you explain what the difference is between market and exhibition? Yeah, market's going to be your uh, meat class. So all of your animals that would uh, typically go to the processor to help feed your family or other families. For the duck class, you're going to see Pekins because they're a meat breed. Um, for the goose class, um, most fairs will use Emden geese. So those are just going to be all of your animals that would go to processing. So for exhibition, it's going to be more of your fancy or showy breeds um, like your bantam chickens, um, dairy goats, for instance. They're not typically something you send to a processor. They're used for milk. The main difference is animals that you process and animals that you just show and um, give your knowledge to the judges. Now, I've heard that a lot of kids do 4-H to help build their college fund. Is that another reason that your family participates? And if so, how does that work? Uh, it's definitely a motivator when your child takes their first market project to the auction at the end of fair and they find out that they've made $150 for their duck or, you know, people pay several thousand dollars for your grand champions. Uh, money's definitely a motivator. Um, each family does it differently. I know families that give their kids a certain amount, say $3,000 their first year, and that's the amount of money that they have for the remainder of 4-H. And if they want to improve or purchase more each year, they've got to save their uh, auction money, their winnings to help purchase next year's show animals. And I know many families, like such as ours, my husband and I have decided that we will fund the projects, but in turn, our kids have to save all of their winnings and all of their auction money for college or that first car. I know people that have opened their first business using their 4-H winnings. It's pretty amazing. That is very cool. What I love about 4-H too is that kids are participating. They're learning a ton. They're making a ton of friends who also have similar interests to them. But then it does really bring the community together because a lot of those people that are buying at market are local businesses or big names in your community will come in and help because they typically have the funds to put forward and will pay a little bit more for a duck or a goose or a rabbit or something like that to help that student out. Yeah, and whether you're a parent that just um, allows your kid to participate in 4-H or you're somebody that purchases a 4-H animal, you're investing in that child's future in some way. And there are local farms too. If a child wants to participate, they can house the animal on their farm. So if you do live in town where you are against city regulations, you can only have so many chickens or you really can't have dairy goats on property, definitely reach out still to your 4-H leader because I'm sure they have those connections to help get you to a local farm. Most definitely. A lot of animal leasing opportunities for kids that don't have the opportunity to have their animal on their property or they don't have the room for it. So now when it comes down to showtime, I know Shows are a little bit different depending on when your local fair is hosted. Some are hosted earlier in the summer. Growing up, our fair was always hosted in September. What does your typical show prep timeline look like? Well, 
prep starts before we even have our animals in possession. My kids, first of all, have to think of what they want to take responsibility of. What kind of animal are they going to raise? What are they going to need to raise it? What are we going to need to feed it? And how are we going to go about getting this animal? Everything has a cost, whether it's time or money or both. And then once we figure out what we're showing or what they're showing, we um, purchase the animal or in our case, we do breed dairy goats. So we think of who we're going to breed to who, and then we go through the whole birthing goats uh, scenario. They have to choose which one they think will show better and they'll take that to fair. One of my daughters does uh, bantam chickens. So her goal is to uh, use her breeding pairs to hatch her fair chickens. But there's a lot that goes into that. You know, you have to have chickens that lay eggs. And most of the time you're wanting them to lay in the cooler months when they're not wanting to lay. You either need to let them sit, uh, be broody, or you have to incubate them. And then you're crossing your fingers and your toes that you have a good hatch and that you have something that hatches that's worth showing. So there's a lot that goes into it. And then, you know, you can definitely reach out to Meyer Hatchery. Our first show bird got second place at our first ever county fair. Um, It was a khaki Campbell duck that my daughter showed and we got it from Meyer Hatchery. We get that question a lot at Meyer Hatchery is if our birds are show quality and we always encourage you to take them and try it. And like we talked about in the last episode with Ohio Nationals, he mentioned using Meyer Hatchery or using hatchery birds even to get your feet wet. So like Amanda, if it's your first time going and you're testing the waters, trying to see what you like, what you don't like, do you want to stick with chickens? Do you like that breed of chicken? A hatchery is a cost-effective choice to go with, in my opinion. Oh, most definitely. And then when you are choosing to show animals or birds in general, you definitely want to purchase more than you need or hatch more than you need. You want to make sure you have a good selection to choose from when it comes down to fair time. Um, You never know who's going to go into a last minute molt. You definitely don't want to take a molting chicken to fair. Um, So if you have, you know, four, six, 12 chicken math, different options, you have you have a selection to choose from. So you're taking your best bird. And then number one, quality feed. Don't skimp on the feed. We probably pay the most for our feed. High quality feed, hydration, keeping your birds hydrated, housing them, uh, husbandry, keeping your area clean. We joke with my daughter, her bantams are her princess chickens because I feel like their pen is cleaner than my kid's bathroom most days. <laughs> um, and lots of handling. Those animals are going to be your kid's best friend, or they should be your kid's best friend. Um, if you decide to handle your birds a week before fair, they're going to be all skittish and they're not going to perform well. And that's going to get your kiddo nervous or you nervous if you're the one showing. Um, so you want to build that confidence in your bird and build that confidence in whoever's showing. So lots and lots of handling and then educating. I cannot stress more. You want to know everything there is to know about the bird you're showing, about the breed, where it came from, what kind of eggs does it lay, what kind of comb does it have, and then challenge yourself, especially if you're, you know, a second, third, fourth year showman. You want to know about other breeds as well because you never know if you're participating in showmanship what kinds of questions that judge is going to throw at you, especially if you need a tiebreaker. Can you mention showmanship? Can you elaborate a little bit on that? I mean, we talked about the classes, market and exhibit. So then where does showmanship come in? So showmanship is optional. You don't, you can show in an exhibition and market class and not do showmanship. Highly encourage 
encourage it. It's a non-negotiable for my kiddos, you know, especially in the summertime when they're not in school, you know, those brains go dormant. It gives them an opportunity to use that brain, educating themselves on the breed, what they're taking to, to the fair, how they're feeding it, what's the best feed for it. Um, showmanship is going to be their time to shine. It's where they go in front of a judge and they're asked a series of questions about the bird. It can be um, name five parts of the bird. It, for market class, it could be name four cuts of a Cornish cross, like if it goes to processing. When they're up in front of that judge, they are supposed to be confident and they're supposed to know everything there is to know about that bird. Sometimes it's as simple as, what's your bird's name? You know, the judges will throw something as simple as that in there. Um, but definitely... Highly recommend participating in showmanship. Now, when you guys are preparing, are you referring to the standard of perfection for 4-H too? Absolutely. Your exhibition classes, you definitely want to use the standard of perfection as your tool. It's going to give you what the judges are looking for in the breed that you're showing. It's going to, it's going to tell you everything that the ideal bird should have. So, and that's what you want to try to get as close to when taking your bird to fair. And I'll be sure to link that book again below in the show notes. We talked about it in the Ohio National episode too. It really is a useful book across the board, regardless of what level you're showing, whether it's 4-H, at your state fair, or on a national level. And I do think it's good for you guys to take a look at the book if you're considering showing, because even in the beginning when Amanda was talking about prepping before even having possession of the animal, that book would give you a good idea of what you're looking for if you are going to select a bird to show or you're hatching on your own, then you can identify some of those characteristics that may take you to a higher level or placing a higher level. When you're selecting the birds you want to take to fair, make sure you check with your poultry committee and your fair to see what the requirements are. Some fairs will allow certain classes, some fairs will not. So always make sure you're checking what the requirements are for your specific show. So now that we have a good idea of the prep that goes into it, what does your timeline look like? Well, right after fair, my kids are all pumped and motivated to show every animal known to man. <laughs> um, but really, after Christmas, around January, they're really starting to buckle down to decide what they're going to commit to. Each fair has deadlines and what they call possession dates. So there's a certain date we need to have our animals by. And if we don't have our animals by that date, then we cannot show. Um, so it's very important to make sure you have your ducks in a row <laughs> so that you're all prepared with your deadline, meeting your deadlines and possessing your animals at the right time. So then once they're in possession, how many months do you typically, let's just stick with poultry for now, how many months do you think that your child works that bird to prep for when you show? So depending on what animal, our fair is the first week of August and we have a possession deadline for poultry, most poultry by June 1st, um, depending on what we're showing. Obviously, if we want to show a hen and we want to hatch it on our property, we're, ha we're starting many months prior to try and hatch a chick to grow it out in order to be a hen in time for fair. With market projects, um, we have different deadlines depending on their growth needs. So around April, we received our market geese. And depending on the fair, you may or may not have to purchase your market 
birds from your poultry committee or your fair. Some fairs allow you to purchase them from whoever, but our fair specifically makes you purchase through the poultry committee. That ensures that we're all getting the same birds on the same date, so there's no cheating. Nobody's ahead of the game. Market duck pickup is actually this week because they don't need as much time to gain weight in time for fair. Um, And I know broilers are also pick up this week as well. So I would say depending on what we're raising for what year, our my daughter started her bantam project in November of last year so that we could start hatching in time to have birds for fair this year, first week of August. When you're getting ready for the show, do you use any special supplies or are there supplies you would recommend our listeners consider to prep their birds for showing? I absolutely love the Best of Show prep kit because it comes in a really handy case. So I don't have to worry about bottles getting lost because, you know, with kids, things wander. Um, It has everything we need to have in order to get our birds clean and prepped for show day. Three days, I think we do it about three days prior to fair, we give all of our birds a bath. We want to allow them a couple of days prior to showing to accumulate all those natural oils back in the feathers, making them look nice and shiny and refreshed. And in the best of show prep kit, there's a product. I think it's a miracle. We used it for the first time last year on my daughter's bantams, the comb reddening. Apply it, I think it was an hour before the show. So we did it. We followed the instructions and I have never seen a redder comb. It was so bright and flashy and it definitely made a difference. Um, So it's good to have those things on hand. We ended up passing it around. Good sportsmanship. Oh, put this on your comb. It'll make them look nice. If you are showing white birds, especially broilers, if you want to get them nice and white and bright, um, I highly recommend the Gallup shampoo. That stuff is amazing and will literally make your bird look like a brand new bird. That's awesome. And I know Jess over on YouTube has a really great video of how to give your chicken a bath. So if you're a little hesitant, I know the thought of bathing chickens sounds really weird, especially if you've never shown before. But again, all of that handling from the beginning, working your birds, getting them used to you, they're a lot calmer than you're probably imagining in your head right now. And then using some of those supplies like Gallup to help spruce up their feathers and getting their comb all nice and red just things to set your bird apart. I know, again, when I talked to Mike in Ohio Nationals, getting your bird showy and proud and confident and walking around the cage, kind of strutting, that's what you want. So all of those items, just like you, gives you confidence in your bird to perform the best it can. And then depending on your fare, you might need to provide your own coop cups. And then baby wipes are your best friend if you want to do a last minute cleanup of the feet because they're chickens or geese or turkeys, whatever you're showing. They're messy and they poop. And as much as you keep your pen clean, um, sometimes you got to do a quick wipe job to make sure that they're fresh and clean before you step into the ring. So again, all of those items Amanda mentioned, I'll be sure to link below in the show notes so you can easily access them. All right. Now, when it comes to showing, do you have any tips or tricks to help our listeners place? Oh, goodness. Um, Time. Invest in your project. Put in the time. Don't wait till the last minute. Educate yourself on anything and everything there is to know about your animal and about other animals like your animal. Handle them every day, multiple times a day. If my kids ever tell me they're bored in the summer, it means they need to go handle their projects more. Um, So moms, there's your tip. Dads, there's your tip. Kids, saying they're bored, send them out to work with their project. And then hydration. Highly recommend using Vital Pack. When you get to fair, it's a stressful situation for your birds. Giving them some electrolytes in their water at fair will definitely help them. 
Um, and then hydration will only help them look better as well. Their feathers are going to look more hydrated. They're just going to be an overall better looking bird. Thanks, Amanda. Those are some really good tips. And I can only imagine the judges that are doing 4-H have seen hundreds if not thousands of kids come into the ring and show their birds or whatever animal you may be choosing. So really putting in the time, knowing your stuff, building confidence in your kids that they do know what they're talking about will really set them apart once they hit that ring and are showing their bird. And although it is your kid's project, parents need to be just as much involved. It really is a great opportunity for your family to work together and learn together. And if you're invested, they're invested. It just motivates them that much more. All right, Amanda, I think that concludes today's episode. Again, I appreciate your time and all your knowledge when it comes to 4-H. Thank you so much for having me. And I wish all of the 4-H and FFA and other poultry showmen the best of luck. Due to the current times, I know a lot of fairs may have been canceled or altered, but we still want to encourage 4-H children in their poultry keeping journey. That's why Meyer Hatchery has launched our first ever virtual poultry show. Catch our Meyer moment next week as we share more details on the event. Also, if you do take a Meyer Hatchery bird to fair, remember to tag us on social media so we can cheer you on. I've linked a blog post below with some of our winners from previous years, along with all of the information and products Amanda and I discussed today. And as always, please join us in our exclusive Facebook group, Inside the Coop, as we keep the conversation going off air as you share your questions and best showing tips with others. With that, I thank you for listening to The Coop. Be sure to subscribe, and if you'd be so kind, drop us a review. See you all next week. Bye.